This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs from comedian and inactivist Dennis Miller and his guy Friday, Christian Blatt. What's up, Hiroshi? Let's light this candle. Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Miller. Hey, folks. Welcome to the Dennis Miller Option. We're awaiting Christian's arrival. He's got a nervous bladder, the poor boy. I should tell you then that this uh, show today is paid for by NHTSA. Texting and driving isn't just a dangerous problem, it's deadly. And if you, obviously, if you drive while distracted, you're three times more likely to crash. You see these people on the road, you can't believe it. It looks absolutely terrifying. Far too many people still don't recognize the dangers, though, that appear easy to perceive to me as I drive by them. Did you know that when you send or receive a text, you take your eyes off the road for about five seconds? At 55 miles an hour, how long you think that is? Sort of like the length of a football field, with your eyes closed. Between 2012 and 2017, nearly 20,000 people died in crashes involving a distracted driver. And if your own safety isn't enough reason to stop driving while distracted, here's another one. It's also illegal. That's why cops are writing tickets to anyone caught texting while driving. And they're doing it to save lives. So remember... If you text while driving, you will get caught. You drive. And that is paid for by NHTSA. Um, Christian Blatt, my aide-de-camp. Yes, is, sir. Uh, oh, there you are. What the... What, do you get, like... Uh, listen, I know rolling with me, uh, really kind of an exciting thing for you, right? Especially at an airport. <laughs> So uh, right before we go on, do you have a nervous bladder or you just uh, don't pee in between shows? What's what's your deal? Well, I, I only do the one I show, to Dennis. I four times the other night. Wow, that's a lot. And I was trying to figure it out because I'm usually a one, you know, I'm a one-stop uh, shopping. But here's, <laughs> t let me tell you this. I have a thing called, uh, I don't know, are we allowed to name products? Sure, we can. They're uh... called Bose uh, iBuds or oh, yeah. earbuds. They're not over your ear. They're not. Uh, they're these little things that lay flat in your ear and have white noise on them. In other words, I can put them in, lay on my side. I like to sleep on my side, and uh, your ear is flush with the pillow, so you can wear them all night. And I usually put uh, white noise on, and they have a thing called uh, warm static is usually my setting on this thing. They have around six or seven different settings that all echo some form of white noise. One of them is Cascade. It's like a waterfall, like Iguazu Falls or, you know, Victoria Falls. Um, I always use um, warm static. And like I said, I'm, I'm one loo break a night. But uh, I did it four times. I do think it's possible that in your subconscious, the sound of rushing water like that made me want to pee more. I absolutely think that's possible. Yeah, because sometimes in your dream when there's a, you know, don't they say if sometimes people have uh, water in their dream and they, yeah. uh, you know. So anyway, um, when I, I shifted my... back off and I was only up once last night. So, <laughs> so I'm you telling go. you, I think it's the running water sound made me, because I was out there so many times, I felt like I was doing um, Yves St. Laurent show or something. You know, I, I'd come back and I'd get a quick adjustment and then I'd walk down my hallway again strutting my stuff like <laughs> Naomi Campbell with a nervous bladder. 
And I hired a shut-in paparazzi who photographs me on my way to uh, the bathroom each night. It makes me feel important. You know, he gets his shots sure. for the Daily Mirror. I pretend, um, um, you know, crash it into Dow with uh, Biebs and Lil Twist. And thank God Biebs and Lil Twist aren't drag racing. <laughs> hey, Cal the streets of Calabasas are much safer now. You'll tell me when Mark's here, right? Yeah, we will. Because uh, I want to leave a sure little. That. It's like the Mo's process in skin cancers, where you scoop down a little extra to get below where the skin cancer is. It's called Mo's, and uh, I want to leave a little radio Mo's here, so Mark doesn't have to get involved in some of this <laughs> really shitty stuff I'm saying. So give me a little lead yeah. time on him, so I can uh, carve out his niche, so he doesn't get blemished. Um, I'll be performing April 26th at Foxwoods in Mashantucket, Connecticut. April 27th at the Chevalier Theater in Medford, Massachusetts. Caboo, uh, which is a festival in Arlington, uh, Texas, on May 10th. And then May 18th at the St. George Theater on Staten Island. We're awaiting uh, Mark Stein. I'm told that uh, Mr. Stein is with us as we speak. Well, brilliant guy. And now my traveling mate. We did some road together. We were Derbingo and Skinos for a while. You can follow him at steinonline.com. And I urge everybody to go back over a decade now. It must be God, life flies by to America alone, which I think is sort of a New England primer of the <laughs> the brave, new, the sometimes cowardly brave new world that we live in. But it's a, it's a, a prescient book. Brilliant, man. Good cat. Marky Mark, Mark Stein, how are you, brother? Hey, great to be you. Great to be with you, Dennis. I, um, what was that? What was that? That gap you were wanted to leave between? I was me doing and... some really bad radio, and I didn't want to sully your <laughs> reputation. So I told Christian no, no. to practice some protocerial Mo's uh, procedure, where when they go to take okay. skin cancer out, they go down one epidermal layer below it to make sure it's clearly demarcated. So I was oh, saying okay. to Christian, leave a little space here so Mark doesn't have oh, to get okay. messed I, I up was, in this. I, I kind of got, I was, I was kind of got into that with you uh, going uh, down the catwalk to the bathroom four times because it reminded me when <laughs> when you said we'd been, when you said we'd, we'd those those dates we did in Pennsylvania, New York, and between a couple of them, I went to Niagara on the Lake for a couple of days, and I I loved it, and and you said to me, oh yeah. The first time you played, I think, Niagara Falls, and you said you were in a motel room looking at the falls, uh, with but your shower had no water pressure. No and water I, pressure. And I wonder, I wondered, uh, sleeping next to Niagara Falls, how many times you had to get up in the night? Well, occasionally you'll find you'll wake up and you'll find an old local lady named Annie in a tin can going through your oh, urethra, yeah. and uh, yeah. that's uh, I think that happens yeah, also. <laughs> that's the probably the problem with the shower too. Is uh, you don't you you go left at the rock instead of right, and you wind up the, coming I'm through the, the comfort inn in room twenty seven. I'm in uh, so much that when I go when I go to a place like Niagara Falls. I, I might be the only guy left, but I love to go to places like the Electric Map at Gettysburg or the Niagara Falls Museum. And I do yeah. remember that sometimes you walk through there, and it really points out the vagaries of human existence. And like an old woman will go over in a tin can and survive. 
right. then they'll have a guy who's entirely encased himself in a rubber ball where he sits in the middle in the nuclei of the rubber ball, and yet right. he bite, he bites it. You know what I mean? It really is yeah. random who survives the falls. No, but that's what people love about it is the, the amateurish. Because no one wants somebody to just do it scientifically and work out where you're going to be the most secure. People just want to, you know, at two in the morning as the bar's kicking you out, say, hey, look, look at that. Uh, there's a trash can there. Let's go for it. That's how, that's how you want to do it. That's the allure. That's the magic, yeah. as they yeah. say. yeah. Um, Mark Stein and I will be doing a cruise later in the year. It's Mark's cruise. It's September 4th through 11th. We're leaving from Vancouver. I'm going along as is Sancho Panza as we tilt at, uh, at, we, we tilt at solar panels, I guess. We'll go, go up to Alaska for more information. Yeah. And to we'll be tilting, til, tilting at glaciers, I think. <laughs> that's yeah. the, uh, that's, that's the big scenic attraction. So we'll be, yeah, we'll I've be, done this yes. uh, cruise at one point, Mark. We ha we should rent a copter one day. You can take a helicopter up onto one of the glaciers and get out and walk around on it. It's really unbelievable. To book a cabin, if you want to join us and get in that chopper, go to MarkSteinCruise.com. Uh, last year was the eastern seaboard up through Nova Scotia, wasn't it, Mark? How'd it go? Well, we left uh, We left from Montreal. We went down the St. Lawrence and down the uh, beautiful eastern seaboard all the way to Boston. And uh, that that's... Uh, that's kind. Of, that's lovely. I like being in. Uh, I like being in Canadian waters. And homeland security is much less terrifying when they come aboard the ship and quiz you. So yeah. uh, when you return to America, it's less daunting than than. Uh, it's 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 almost as easy as just uh, taking a skiff across the Rio Grande. But uh, it's they they they're good. Uh, they're good like that. So it was a, it was a good fun cruise, and we're doing a little on on a grander scale this time. Ironically, folks, if you want to go down the eastern seaboard between Canada and the United States, it's easier to take the Contiki than it is to go across the Windsor Bridge in Detroit. So <laughs> uh, no, somehow the, that gets the, complex. And the small border crossings, because it's like ever since the southern border evaporated, the northern border is just full of microaggressions. If you come over with a bagpipe, come over with a Kinder Egg. Bagpipes, it's like a $285 it's coming and going. If you take a bagpipe uh, to play in a competition in Montreal from New Hampshire, I think they charge you $285 to take it out of the country and then another 285 to bring it back into America. So if we just issued everyone in Honduras with a bagpipe, there would be no problem at the southern border. <laughs> That's thinking outside the bagpipe right yeah, there, yeah. folks. And well, what's I the Kinder even... Egg thing again, Mark? Is it about swallow, swallowing small objects? Yeah, it's, it's what it's what the government, the, the United States government, has decreed that Kinder Eggs contain a non-nutritive embed. This is what normal people call the plastic toy inside the right. chocolate egg. And my kids were stopped a few Easter's ago. And my youngest kid, uh, they said, these are illegal. We'd bought some in Canada. And they said, these are illegal in America and uh, were uh, confiscating them. Because, uh, and my kid said, why? And uh, the guy said, because they're dangerous. So he said, well, in that case, can't you, you're a highly trained person <laughs> with a gun. Why don't you open the Kinder Egg? And then give me the chocolate to eat. And then you can give me the toy <laughs> when it's safe to do so. And uh, and uh, he warned me. Then the guy warned me that uh, my kid was disrespecting the process and was, you know, two questions away from going to Gitmo. Yeah, so every right. time we're across the border now, they make a point 
of driving all the way back to where within range of the U.S. border post, and then they w- insist on getting out of the car and ostentatiously eating the Kinder eggs on the shoulder to mock Homeland Security. So my kids are really uh, asking for it in that respect. Yeah, that's called a workaround, folks. That's the world yeah. we come to. And yeah. by the way, I think when... Trump had Pelosi and her retinue stopped on the tarmac right before they left. He cited that law saying we cannot send over any plastic embeds, if I was not mistaken. <laughs> no, she, she actually, she's, uh, she has some non-nutritive embeds of her own, I think, going on there. <laughs> it's not exactly brain food. Hey, I want to ask you about, uh, well, I see now that Trump has whacked his head of Secret Service this morning, and I think yesterday uh, Kirsten Nielsen resigns. What? Um, what? Do you, what is? Is he going to put somebody who's a harder ass in there? What, I, I'm trying to make some sense of the Nielsen resignation for me. Well, I think I think when I think Trump's uh, tr- Trump's president, Trump's administration has gone in like three phases, and the first. Uh, when he got in there, he appointed all the people he just uh, had been on his team. So he had Steve Bannon, and he had Scaramucci and Omarosa and all these people. And then uh, the Kelly uh, General Kelly came in and uh, got rid of all those guys and had the house-trained people brought in around him. And so it got a little duller. And I think it. Is, uh, I think then uh, Trump decided he was like fed up with just being surrounded with people he didn't particularly get on with. Uh, and he wants people who uh, he's, he's comfortable with. He wants, he wants people who are not actually there to subvert his policy. It's all very well uh, not having Scaramucci or Bannon, but that doesn't mean you swing the pendulum the other way and have people who are actively uh, you know, operating policies you don't want. And I think with Kirsten Nielsen, I mean, I've got nothing against her, but she's a lot more, um, she's, she's a lot more on the, towards the congressional side when it comes to all that uh, DACA and dreaming and all that kind of thing. And uh, he wants someone uh, sort of more in line with his thinking on that. Well, Mark, my feeling on the border is if, Trump risks some sort of J.J. Hunsicker, Lonesome Roads, the emperor has no clothes moment. If if the border gets worse and worse and he never calls in the chit of declaring a national emergency, he'd be better off just to shut up about it and pretend it doesn't exist because he's the awkward straddle between what he intends to do or what he threatens to do and what is being done is I think going to catch up to him eventually. He's going to be at one of these ten thousand seaters, and I, I don't know that he won't become start to draw the ire of the hoi polloi. Or do you not see that happening? <laughs> no, I think there's a danger of that. I don't think you can go around because because the thing about it is people who aren't interested in politics notice when a politician says I'm going to shut down the border. That that cut that's that has an that has an interest and a fascination beyond politics. People, mm-hmm. oh, did you hear that? That uh, that guy's in the White House. He's going to shut down the border, and you can't you can't say that and then uh, back off it uh, ten days later or whatever. So some some of that stuff actually has to happen. Yeah. And I would be, and I think you know, with in the case of Trump, I think immigration is the is the connection. When you go to these rallies. It's always the wall. It's the wall talk. And it has been ever since, like, late 2015. That's, that's, that's what made them Trump supporters. 
and uh, he's he's got to he's got to be he's got to be careful that he doesn't get sort of Paul Ryan and General Kelly uh, into just letting all that sag and deflate. That's that's absolutely critical to him. He's got to lean into the fentanyl. I mean, I, I honest to God think it is the quintessential, the ultimate, I should say, embarrassment for the left that we cannot get unanimity on shutting the border down to some extent just because of the uh, the, 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 bu- the latter-day bubonic plague of opioids coming across yeah. the border. Yeah, and I, I can't I, believe absolutely. he doesn't play that card more. No, and I think that's the way to way to put it. I mean, I I do think there's like some nutso contrast that go. I'm, we joke about the bagpipes and the Kinder eggs, but in fact, it shows you what government can do when it suddenly decides something's a problem. So, um, so bagpipes, which comes under the U.S. Department of Fish and Wildlife, I don't know why. I don't know whether it's a fish or an elk, a bagpipe, but it's one of them <laughs> because it comes under the U.S. Department of fish and wildlife. And I think it comes uh, under fish or foul sound. It's either, either <laughs> no, fish no, 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 or no. foul sound. Now, I'd be happy to have bagpipers at the southern border because that terrifies <laughs> <laughs> and that keeps that keeps people away. But the thing about but the thing about that is they somebody decided bagpipes are an issue and so bagpipes uh, when the government focuses on bagpipes, it ruins life for bagpipers. Now, they could do that with people in caravans if they wanted to, but it's the conscious choice to prioritize bagpipes over caravans that, is, that, that's, that the bureaucracy makes. And so you got to, at some point, you, uh, elections have to mean something. And if a president's elected who prioritizes caravans over bagpipes, he's entitled to get his way on that. Yeah, he better. I, I hope he understands that should be the, the fence he dies on, like, because he's not he won't get reelected if there's another two years like this and it continues to proliferate. And he just keeps standing in the middle saying, oh, that wall's coming or that. I, I do think the moment that it crashes for him where they begin to think, oh, no, is he just like the others? Uh, that's that'll be deadly to a man they've invested so much into. Um, well, I think I think it'd be deadly for the Republican Party too. I mean, you you were you know you were close to to a certain extent to 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 George W. Bush. I knew him a little, and it's it's interesting that it's uh, the pre, the you you don't notice at the time that key elements of your base are just sort of checking out of the scene. You don't discover that until it's too late, and it's important to watch that. Yeah, it's like falling behind in med school. It happens slowly mm. and then suddenly. Yeah, <laughs> you can't absolutely. Catch up. We're talking to uh, Mark Stein, his website, steinonline.com. That's with a Y. Once again, that is Mark Stein Cruz, which I, I, will be, uh, I will be in the sidecar with Batman, leaving Vancouver <laughs> uh, September 4th through the 11th, up through the Alaskan pa- uh, Passage. I, I guess... Um, what did you learn last year, Mark, that you would, uh, did, did you learn any lessons that you would, uh, you know, make, uh, have plans to make it even better this year than it was last well, year? Well, I, I tell you one thing I learned, I mean, just to, this is just for us really, but it's, uh, I learned that I don't need the Bose white noise things when I'm sleeping on water actually. And so yeah. that just, that, that lull of the, uh, I find it very easy to sleep on water. The other thing I found that I that actually really I, I I like the the conviviality of the 
of the cruising life. So I like obviously the people who've uh, who've. You're always a little wary mm-hmm. uh, when when you're going to be on a ship with hundreds of uh, people who've come there to see you. That everyone's going to just like want a piece of you, and you're never going to get a moment to yourself and everything. And then by the end of it, you discover, actually, I, I rather enjoyed this. I'm going to miss some of these people. Not all of them, but I'm going to miss most of them when, when they're not around. And I, yeah, I found, I that, found too. that Yeah, which I think is actually quite, which, which was in, and I like the way, uh, you, you know, when we did those dates in Pennsylvania and, and New York, and the audience is different every night. And there's something actually quite fun where you do something for people. You, you, you do a little show for them every day. And... <laughs> And by the uh, by, the third or fourth day, their their kind of rhythms are as important to the show as yours. And and uh, it's actually fun, I think, uh, just sort of bouncing off them. We had good questions. It was it was. I, I I really appreciated the crowd actually. Well, we're looking forward to it, folks. And that's the fourth uh, through the eleventh uh, of September. And uh, what else I want to talk to Mark about? You know, Mark, I, I really think that uh, one thing that I don't even think the conservatives, the Republican Party in this country, even is within light years of approaching as far as the Democrats go, is the full bore, almost kamikaze-like commitment to just steer into the skid when something goes amiss. I think that I sense they're leaning more into the Mueller report. And what Mueller, I don't, God knows, I don't know if it's his uh, poison pill gift that he gives to Trump on his way out the door to not just smack down, um, you know, obstruction of justice in the same way smack down collusion. But I sense this is more of an issue than it was when they were saying that Mueller was the ultimate imprimatur and he would reveal that he's a Russian. That all is gone now. He just, right. no, there's no collusion. I, I swear they've tripled down on it. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to, they're not going to, that's, Whatever happens, that's just how deep the conspiracy goes. You know, Robert Mueller's been, uh, well, he probably wasn't Putin's sleeper. He was uh, probably, who was it? It'd be uh, Khrushchev. Maybe he goes back to Stalin or <laughs> one no. of those guys. He's been in deep, he's been a deep sleeper uh, for decades, and he's cleared Trump a collusion. We all know that's a fix. The fix is in. And the, 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 the doubling down on the stupidity, I think, is actually necessary for them because uh, the Russia, a whole Russia investigation uh, was retrospectively designed as a cover for the fact that the Obama administration and key elements in it were, in, in effect, eavesdropping on their political o- opposition, which is exactly what Maduro does in Venezuela, uh, and because uh, that's classic Banana Republic stuff. Mm-hmm. And this whole Russian cover for it uh, was designed in fact, to cover their tracks uh, and to justify uh, the ruling party uh, eavesdropping on its political opposition. And there should be consequences for that because you don't want it happening again. Well, they've been pretty brilliant about it, man. And even now mm. I hear, I think, is Trump, I, I, Trump hints at it now that he wants to go back in. And I don't know much about this bar cat. You know, maybe Barr's the guy to lead him back in. But you remember how eventually Benghazi fell away, and if you brought Benghazi up after a certain, it was almost like a uh, like a uh, fissionable material half life. If you brought it up past a certain date, they'd say you were the nut. You keep bringing that yeah. up. They're yeah. to that point yeah. now where I think they're gonna 
they're going to start if Barr brings that up they're going to say they're just nuts they're nuts they keep going back to this so i i yeah, don't know that yeah. they'll ever i love this. i love the way atrocities like benghazi should never benghazi was actually a national uh, disgrace but you're right at a certain point the democrats uh go Oh, Benghazi, so boring. Ah, oh, losing all will to stay conscious. Uh, it's they, that 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 has worked for them since the Clinton impeachment thing. Old news. I remember mm-hmm. whoever it was. What was he? The senator from Louisiana, Bro. I think he was. Yeah, John. Uh, bump, John Bro bumping into him during the impeachment trial, and he'd had to listen to, I think, Monica Lewinsky's testimony in closed session, and he goes, "Oh, so I, I." I thought, oh, what am I doing today? And then I go into this room and I come out thinking, oh, dear me, I've seen that movie before. So boring. And they've actually used that line for everything that's happened since, including Benghazi uh, and including if people uh, get it, now want to get upset about uh, what all this FBI Department of Justice monkeying around was. Didn't Bro eventually get whacked for being a hound himself? Do I remember that or no? <laughs> I can't. I can't. It's like some of those. Uh, some of the. I, the, I remember very few senators, except for from that period, except Strom Thurmond, who I used to like. I, I was in. I attended the impeachment trial, and I sat in the gallery above Strom Thurmond, and he used to come in with uh, like little, uh, like little bits of candy for Clinton's two lady lawyers, and he <laughs> he and his great lizard like hand. In it, you'd see his lizard-like hand, his great hundred and twelve-year-old hand, sliding onto the arm of Clinton's uh, 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 comely lady lawyers, and then he would press this little, you know, Reese's piece or whatever it was into their hand. Oh my God. I remember. I, that. I know. I love. I love that. That's that's my most vivid memory of. Uh, I remember Rickles told me once, Don Rickles told me he had gone down to the desert to visit Sinatra, and they went into town to have lunch, and uh, they were down in Palm Springs, and uh, he said, Frank said to him, uh, you know, they were both older now, Frank Mm -hmm. said, Don, I love your cowboy boots, and Rickles said, yeah, uh, I'm shoeless. (laughs) In other words, he had been in the sun so much. (laughs) So when you talk about Strong Thurman's hand, no, 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 it does get diaphanous it's... somewhere down the road. No, um, that's that's right. Now, what if? And, and by the way, folks, when Mark was referring to back then, I asked if John Bro was a hound. You can pretty much rest assured when Wilbur Mills was getting laid by strippers, everybody in town was getting laid by strippers because that's like Arnold Stang coming up to go to bar. God's sake. Um, what do we make of? Um, uh, Ocasio Cortez. It is, it's amazing to me that um, she, staying on the epidural thing, she th- seems so amazingly thin-skinned to me at this point. Uh, she's she's been given the 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 life of Raleigh, a welcome like Lindbergh in the Valley of Dreams or something, and yet right. she's still thin-skinned when occasionally somebody casts an aspersion. Pretty amazing. Yeah, and I and I don't because because I I understood her appeal. Uh, when she uh, knocked off that, uh, you know, that uh, old uh, machine politician. Yeah, you were the first Democrat. to tell me that, uh, where I yeah. said, I don't get her. And you said, mm, I kind of understand the appeal. Yeah, and, and then, uh, so I, I I kind of like it, the way uh, you can be a waitress or a bartender or whatever she was, and next thing you know, you're elected to Congress. 
I like that. It would have made a it would have made a, a great movie uh, seventy years ago. They can't make those kind of films now. And instead, what happened when she went to Congress uh, is that within two weeks she became just another staffed politician. So her minders are all over. So when she did the Green New Deal and she had the bovine flatulence in there, and so everyone. Uh, has been living off bovine flatulence jokes uh, ever since she announced that. Mm. And then they claimed, oh, no, that was just some early draft that was erroneously uploaded to the Internet. And they kept, uh, and and suddenly she became just another one of these privileged politicians surrounded by minders. And in the end, this thin skin thing is she is just another, in the end, she is like a, a 29-year-old uh, bartender who saw her opportunity and got elected to Congress, but somewhere down in there is that sort of chafing grievance thing that I think is sort of, is it's not a political thing so much. It's actually characteristic of, uh, of, of, of a certain type of person for whom things work out too well too soon. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's often a, a problem in life. Yeah, I find her, she has a high degree of noblesse oblique, I guess I would yeah, refer to it. That's, that's right, and that's a good... Point. That's a good way of. Uh, that's a good word for for you uh, as well. It's like no bless oblique. That ties it all up. Um, but that. Uh, but you, she's now doing this thing. Uh, wherever it was she was speaking, she's doing the Hillary thing, where Hillary right. uh, sounds. Uh, Hillary sounds African American when she's with Al Sharpton, and she sounds uh, Irish when she's in the St. Patrick's Day parade. And uh, she uh, she she sounds gay when she's talking to the LGBTQ type, and and now I see Alexandria Ocasio Cortez has got the same has got the same problem. Authenticity, you know, that's the fabulous thing about Trump is Trump is thin skinned when he likes goes on Twitter and everything, sure. but it's like an it's like an authentic. It's the and I don't know whether it's difficult to go back to sort of managed panderers after you've had somebody like Trump. Yeah, once they've uh, once they've seen that. And listen, Trump, uh, yeah, he is amazingly thin-skinned. Nobody, by a power of 10, has received the hate, criticism, ridicule, and threatening that he has. Really, I'm trying. No. The only time I can think it may be Nixon, but I didn't think social media existed, so he didn't catch as much. I remember uh, W. They did a lot of stuff. There was a you know off Broadway plays called the assassination of George W. Bush, but now you know they view him fondly. It's yeah, almost yeah. like uh, I don't think I've ever seen somebody in public life who's faced the hatred on a day to day basis than Trump. So if he is thin skinned, at least he gets a uh, a lot of opportunity to practice it because they are on him twenty four seven. Yeah, but he's actually, I think that the odd thing about him is I think the thin skin thing is actually a a sort of act. Because I think, like, uh, if somebody does something about him on CNN or whatever, he'll he'll go and tweet up a storm the following morning. And he's like in their head running around inside their brains. But I think actually he's quite, a lot of it just runs off his back. And the thin skin stuff. <laughs> I think he does just because it's it's right. it's fun to make a cheap low crack uh, about some twit pompous twit on MSNBC or whatever, uh, and you don't really you don't really care about it. I mean, he's he's been very that business with or he inflicts subtle tortures like when Mitt did that whole Mitt Romney did that whole thing. This man is unfit to be president. He's a disgrace. 
the Trump stakes are no good. They've all failed. <laughs> you can't get a job if you've got a degree from Trump University, all this stuff. And then uh, Trump gets elected, and the first thing he does is he invites Mitt uh, to come and talk about being secretary. And they have that, they have that fake, stiff uh, dinner uh, together with the cameras there, which looked like uh, the Prince and Princess of Wales about three months before their divorce was announced. It's that yes. awkward. Right. And, uh, and, and, and at the end of it... And, and and they're all and Mitch trying to get on and all the rest of it's all bygones and, and at the end of it Trump just said, Ah, we're gonna go we're we're gonna find someone else for Secretary of State. That was a brilliant that was brilliant. I like I like that kind of thing. Yeah, I love it when he summons all the tech geniuses to the White House for a tech summit and they all have to come and kiss the signet ring that they hate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they all make it except Elon Musk, of course, whose car won't start. But I, I love yeah. it when they're all sitting there at the table just l looking at him. They know they have to go through this gatekeeper now to do maximum business, but they all hate his guts. And I always yeah. think how delicious it is. There's nothing nothing more ironically funny than visionaries who did not see it coming. And boy, yeah, did they no, not no. see him absolutely, coming. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, no, there's something like just great. The, the style is great. That press conference he did at the UN, you know, when it's that like big uh, general assembly week and he had to go to the and all the dictators are in town. He had to go right. to the UN and he's taking questions. And uh, about two hours in, he gets a question from uh, the Kurdish guy and he goes, oh, we love Kurds. Kurds are fabulous, fabulous. Which Kurdish newspaper are you with? Oh, I love it, love Kurds. And the Kurdish guy asks a question, he answered the question, and he goes, I wonder, I wonder if uh, we should take another question. You know, Elton John always tells me, sometimes you do a really great number and it's terrific and the crowd's going wild, and then uh, you think, oh, maybe I'll do an encore. And so you come back out and you do the encore and it's never as good. And you should have really left it with the number that the crowd went wild over. And so that Kurdish question was so great. I really don't know whether we should take another question. Oh, well, maybe we will take another question. Yes, CNN. <laughs> to be able to pull all those disparate threads together and immediately clove hitch them no. as its own genius, doesn't no, it? No, no, he's dead. It, uh, it, it does. Uh, you know, I was he's, watching he's, this. He's like you. He's working your turf with some of these uh, uh, strange uh, yeah. oblique cultural the references. Yeah, I was watching yeah. uh, CNBC this morning, Mark, and it made me laugh. Every young tech wizard they have on, now uses the uh, the jargon is now uh, we don't want to just own this space we want to disrupt this space they always use that and that's the highest aspiration it seems to me a young tech uh, IPO yeah. can have with Lyft yeah. and stuff like that and uh, I, I was thinking wow who has disrupted a space more not in my lifetime mm. the space more than Donald Trump nobody came in and flipped the entire table over no no. And absolutely, and and totally necessary, because uh, I I mean I, I I think I'm so bored by the the permanent political class, and the idea that some guy can just wake up one morning and decide to take a flyer at it, I think yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, um, it, it's uh you know the the Jerry Nadler uh, thing just does not work. You know I sit, I watch him there and I think God he must have had one of those straps put on his brain too because he just sits there parroting that same thing that I've been watching <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. fifty years of my adult life and then I see Trump like you said fielding a question, overpraising a Kurdish newspaper he's never seen in his life, 
bringing in the guy who's saying goodbye yellow brick road then going to his political cnn enemy yeah. cnn all in the space yeah. of eight seconds is yeah. like yeah. uh ninja yeah. ninja level no skills. no 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 it's it, it it's it is fantastic the other thing i think is that uh, i'm so i like i was just chugging along uh today something in the background and some guy comes on and he starts talking about comprehensive immigration reform well what Congress needs to do is pass comprehensive immigration reform. And you know comprehensive immigration reform is just this, like, weaselly phrase for, you know, uh, I've got nothing interesting to say on this topic, and this phrase is just cover right. uh, for the fact that nothing is going to happen. And almost all the entirety of political discourse, uh, almost anywhere in the Western world, is conducted on that brain-dead level. Uh, and you know the minute... You, you, when you, you know, when you have a guest on and he says comprehensive immigration reform, you know he's either trying to, if he's a Democrat, he's just trying to dodge the sort of open borders thing or whatever. But sure. he's these meaningless phrases that, ha, that, that the deadness of the deadness of language. There, it's not just that they're. It's not just what I what I most loathe about the permanent political class is they're actually killing the greatest tool of civilized society, the indispensable tool, which is language. And, uh, and, and the idea that we're all supp- you're somehow more serious if you use these dead phrases, these yeah. dead, these lifeless phrases. And yet a guy <laughs> like Trump comes along who doesn't speak the lingo and just steals it away from you. Something like that is actually inspirational. God, no wonder they hate him. He literally is 180. Is there a way to go more than 180, or do you start coming back close again? Let's say 180.49 or something away from the way they are and their approach. And it's true. When you're saying there's always cover, I always love that moment in an interview where somebody's talking about raising taxes to take care of um, taxes that are already crazily high on the upper 1%, 5%, 10%. And uh, somebody will say, well, what would you raise them to? There's another one they'll never go near. It's the same thing when you say comprehensive border. uh, You know, when every time I watch Jorge Ramos and somebody will get him in a corner and just say, well, how many? I'm just asking you, how many people do we let in? That's why I agree with you that we need comprehensive. And I think, yeah, no, this uh, is why we need comprehensive immigration reform. So that we can then get an answer to the question. There's seven billion people. There's like six and a half billion people who aren't American on the planet. Do we let two billion of them in or four billion of them in? Once Jorge has his answer, once we have comprehensive immigration reform, we'll be able to answer that. But until then, we just say comprehensive immigration reform over and over and over and over and over like it's some magic yes. talisman. So, folks, when you put set that into your lingua franca decoder ring, when you hear comprehensive border patrol uh that means the status quo <laughs> that's, yeah, a, yeah. that's a long way around just saying let's keep it just like it is as ineffective it is we've been talking to mark stein markstein.com s-t-e-y-n and september 4th through 11th we're going up uh, through the interior passage of alaska Got a week together, and we'll have good uh, good chat. I can't wait to hear. So who, who else is going, Mark? Who, who, uh, I know you and I will be well, here, but who else is going? Uh, well, Michelle Bachman, who was my favorite presidential candidate, I think, in 2012, is going to be on board. And Michelle is a terrific company and uh, extremely, uh, extremely perceptive on uh, those issues. And then uh, 
And and for some musical entertainment along the way, we have Tal Backman, who's Canadian musical royalty. You know the old Backman Turner mm-hmm. uh, Overdrive, and guess who? He's uh, Randy Backman's uh, son. And uh, we got uh, uh, Felim and uh, McAleer and uh, Anne uh, oh, McElhenney, who made the Gosnell them. movie. Nice people, yeah, yeah, and who were <laughs> who were incredibly. <laughs> Who are very funny because they say that the whole thing about being Irish is wherever you go in the world, uh, everybody loves you if you're Irish until you say you're an Irish conservative, and then you might as well be English. Everyone hates you. So. <laughs> At that point, you've got the troubles for full, full right. war again. Yeah, troubles you've made for troubles. yourself. <laughs> All right, uh, how's Missy doing? How's Melissa? Good. Oh yeah, she's she's good, and she's uh, she's going to be uh, on the cruise. I always like the way my my lawyer always comes on the cruise, and people always like these interesting glimpses of the backstage people. So they they go, "Wow, I can't believe you have to deal with all Mark Stein's lawsuits every time he, he gets sued." And so just having the misfortune to uh, be my uh, poor unfortunate barrister it right. becomes a kind on at sea that becomes a kind of. Uh, Celebrity in and of itself. No, you had the uh, nicest of posses. Who's that cat from Canada who ran for office? The nice young guy. Oh, Andrew, Andrew Lawton. Yeah, he came. Uh, he, he when we were when we were touring around. He he came. Uh, I think he did our opening announcement. Yeah, he we was had, funny too. Backstage, he we, was uh, wickedly dry, man. Very funny. Well, I think he was actually because uh, you told him some a uh, couple of stories about uh, guys who'd like uh, tried uh, so off sold you jokes successfully, whenever it was. Mm-hmm. And he's thinking, oh, maybe I'll get something out of this trip after all. So uh, I think he was I think he was working some of his material for you there, Dennis. All right. Well, he did a, uh, uh, he did a nice audition, so tell him to send yeah. anything on it uh, that he might have for me. I'm, I'm flailing away out here. All right, I will talk <laughs> at you down the road, brother, and uh, I'll talk to uh, Gervitz. We should get back out on the road soon, so I'll talk to you yeah, soon. Yeah, no, I, I I enjoyed it, and uh, it's been, whatever it is, a month now, so I take it your career's recovered from <laughs> <laughs> I just got a talk uh, show. Maybe. The, I got a talk show on the backup camera on my dashboard of my car. That's where I'm at right now. <laughs> So, uh, so another couple of weeks, it may be safe for us to do it again. Uh, that's good. I'll be communicating in semaphore flags two weeks from that's now right. if I don't get a gig. All right, I'll talk at you, Mark. Thanks a lot, Dennis. Bye. Nice guy. Oh, Are we have fun on the road? Yeah. You know what? I hit a button halfway through. I had a couple more questions for him. And fucking iPads, man. All you have to do... Didn't you ever have this thing with your iPad where when you want it to change, you can hit... Like, like I'll have a thing, a recorder, yeah, and there'll be like things that I voice messages, and I'll go to hit the play button, and you have to hit the little arrow in the middle, and like you have to be like Bruce Lee going into somebody's stomach through their muscles to pull their heart out to get it to go. <laughs> and then when you don't want it, when you've got two questions, you're talking to Mark, and you just like graze up against it with your elbow, and they're sent into some crazy William Hurt altered states hell where you never see them again. Yeah. So I, I kind of blank there on my... I wanted to ask him about something else. Is there a big thing in the world, Christian? Something There's a lot of big about? things in the world, but uh, yeah, I had a question covered. about one of them, and I blanked on it. So anyway, um, what what else is up in the world, Christian? We started a, a, a voicemail, and uh, oh, by yeah. the way, I did the Ben Shapiro show. Yes. Well, here's what a pea brain I am. <laughs> 
Sorry. I think he has a million listeners. I he? believe he does, yes. <laughs> I go. I can't even laugh. I can usually I, laugh at what a screw I, up. I feel like it's all going to be all right by the time people hear it. That's why I'm able to laugh. Oh, my God. I, an hour. At one point, he actually says to me, what are you up to? And I'm thinking, in retrospect, my son says, hey, don't you have a podcast? I mean, my son came in after we left. He said, don't you have a podcast? <laughs> he said, did you quit doing it? He doesn't listen to it. You know, I said, no, yeah. no, I'm doing it. He said, why didn't you mention that one? He said, what are you doing? I said, oh, Christ, I forgot. Because <laughs> he said, you know, he said, uh, what are you doing? And I'm actually, I go, not much. <laughs> <laughs> I've, got, I've got access to a million podcast listeners and I don't drop bars. You told me that what you said is that you're not really in demand right now. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. He, he said, what are you doing on the air? I said, not much. Not really in demand right now. A little radioactive. And, yeah. And I've got a pie. I should have just said. So you think he can go back in and yeah, I well, ask him to do some voiceover where he says, Dennis has a pod. You know, yeah. he can even say Dennis is a self-loathing moron in this instance. He has a podcast. Please listen to it. <laughs> right. I, I think that's pretty close to what he's going to do. And uh, because I knew how much it was bothering you, I, I wrote to Ben directly and he's just he wrote back two words. No problem. So uh, well, I, I usually can be bemused by my. Uh, it almost seems like passive aggressive insouciance about my going for it anymore because I'm I've gone for it, <laughs> did okay at going for it, and now I'm in my uh, denouement as oh. they say. But I can usually laugh at the, that bemused uh, subconscious tell where I don't really push things. But yeah. this one was well. Abhorrent. This is kind of like going on Jimmy abhorrent. Kimmel. Is it abhorrent or abhorrent? Abhorrent. Yeah. It'd be like if Jimmy Kimmel's like, "So you have a new special," and you're just like, "Nope, no, I don't." <laughs> You know, it's its own form of preciousness, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe a little. I, I don't know if it is humble or like this unaffected. I think it's its own form of hubris. I'm a little pissed at myself in that way because it's so much easier just to. And I didn't even think of it. That's the weird thing. Yeah, that that's impressive. Yeah, that's, but that's then how I much thought, I, need I to thought, you. are you, are you, you might be full of shit about that. I think you have to peel back one more layer on you. Speaking of Moe's procedure, which I was talking about earlier. I think you have to peel back one thing on your own bullshit when you're bullshitting yourself. And I was thinking about that and thinking, really? So you're on a podcast where the guy likes you and he asks you what you're doing and you don't mention your podcast, which has like, you know, what, 10, 8% of his listeners, something on our good day. And I, I thought, is that really you? Oh, I'm just, gonna, you know, or is that just me being ultra full of shit? I'm starting to think the latter. I just think you were thinking about what was, you were just thinking about what was going to be for lunch. You know, you just weren't focused. Embarrassing. I I don't know what to say. I, I, you, you, you know, I don't stew a lot, but there are times I stew and I can't get out of it. I stewed on that all day. I just, well, I, I, when, when I got the follow-up text from you, that's when I was like, all right, let's see who I know that can help me just get right to Ben. I'm sure it's not a big idea, a big deal for him to do it. But you know, the producers are all like, well, you know, we'll see if we can figure out a way to work. It's like, you can work it in. I, I've produced enough yeah, things. They, they yeah, they act like they're, you know, hooking up four ventricles yeah. to a Jarvik 7 yeah. fake heart or something. It's, it's just yeah. him saying, Dennis has a podcast. Yeah. Ben's in front of a microphone like, I don't know, seven hours a day, I think, between the podcast and radio show he does. It's not going to be hard to get him to, to mention the Dennis Miller option on Westwood One. 
Well, it's great. We're mentioning it at the ass right now. But when I have <laughs> a million people listen, two million. No, not actually two million ears because I know uh, Teo told me that Vinny's listening down at Over. So one less than two million ears. Uh, there's my Van Gogh joke. See, there's where I spend my time doing asshole jokes like that. <laughs> and Hannity's over there. He's got four stories and he beats the shit out of him like a pile driver every day. But to be fair, he is a great He's in American. He's thirty-five million a year. You and I are. We 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 got our rev share last year. It was Bel Air coupons. <laughs> well, last year was a different setup. All right. <laughs> and Hannity's a great American, so you have to take that into consideration. <laughs> Listen, I like Trump, but I, I you know I, you remember what happened <laughs> when people would call and say that is your great American oh, on the radio show. I'd say, please, you can't say that. You, you'd prefer that people would call in and say, thanks for the vine, Dennis. I, I would just say, uh, I'm an okay American. Some days I'm god-awful <laughs> at it. Other days I'm, I try. But I can't, uh, I can't do anything except a complete post-ironic acceptance of somebody calling you a great American. <laughs> um, and I like America. But sure. Yeah, thank you, Christ. We, we were on the road, Mark and I, and the local DJ who introduces us one night it's a comedy show, Christian. Yeah. This is our big show, too. I think we had 2,000 people or something. Pretty good crowd. He goes out, and the the local, I, I have no idea. You meet the local DJ, and he's, uh, you know, you want to thank him. It's just nice of him to come, and, you know, we were on his show a little. I don't have an Instagram with the guy, but somehow he gets it in his head that he should ask the entire crowd to stand and say the Pledge of Allegiance before we go out. Wait, what? Yeah. I'm I mean, backstage in the wings about to go on, and I hear, he's a police stand. I pledge allegiance. I'm saying, oh, God, brother, I love the country. I'm trying to do a comedy show here. <laughs> I mean, isn't it, that... At the very least, it should have been a recording of Jimi Hendrix saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, that was... So he's a ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Miller. I come out, and I go, this is so awkward, but I renounced my American citizenship this <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> And I could see the guy get crushed, like, why are you taking a shot at me? But I don't want to turn it into a, I love the country. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just want them to drop the puck, right? Yeah. I mean. It's uh, like the Canadian sport you're talking about, but I get the point. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> look how awkward I am. Cause you know why? Because I've lapsed back into a self-loathing thing about missing the, the plug on the Ben Shapiro show. But I just found out today I'll be on the 21st, so I'm going to invert this. I'm going to go to my, uh, you know, uh, group of listeners, all of us here inside the uh, uh, the Hurley, the, the eight-person Civil War sub, and tell you that I'm going to be on a show with a million people. Now, I know what you're saying. Some people would go on the million listener show yeah. and say, hey, I've got a show with a crew of the Hurley over there. I think if you look that up, Christian, it's right. Look up the Hurley and see, or the Hunley, 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 H-U-N-L-E-Y, Civil War submarine, made out of Washington's teeth or something. I mean, they used to be, before they had plastics and metals. Well, I guess metals have been around. Yeah, metals have been around for a while. But they would build things that you wouldn't imagine out of wood, you know. Um, ironically, not erections at that point. They were not referred to as wood. <laughs> polymer 
<laughs> is there a thing called the Hundley? Yes, it's uh, right. the, it's Fuck. the HL Hundley. What did you, did you did you have oh. a kid come to the door, buy encyclopedias, and then do my left foot to open it up to the page of H? I'm sorry, I, I, you I hit tried, a fucking button. I'm sorry, I tried to not get in the way of the comedy, and yes, I'm using air quotes. <laughs> the comedy that we give people on this show. Oh. Just hit your knees. That's all I can tell the listeners. Hit your knees when you get up in the morning. You're not me. I got the life around. I got the best wife, the best kids, and but something inside me, something's not making sense to me. A little too cute by. Half. <laughs> uh, right. What else is up? Oh, I went to my friend General Mueller's birthday yesterday. Hundred and two. A hundred and two, and and he has to call me this morning. I forgot my phone there. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what it's like when you get a guy who's 102 saying you left your phone here? I think Lindsay's going to pass out here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, I could not believe it. was a big 102 uh, uh, because on Saturday, Saturday morning, I get a call from Gordon Gecko. Nice. I have not talked to Mike in. Yeah, I don't know what I, you know, he got we just kids now that are growing up and he spends a lot of time back east and I'm out of here, but he was up at Santa Barbara and he came over and it was one of those beautiful things where you immediately fall back in the step with somebody. You talk about riding a friendship bike, you know what I mean? We, I, I didn't even get to his car and I was laughing my ass off because I was so soft when he called. He said, uh, hey, what are you doing? I said, Mike, what are you doing? He said, I'm up here. I said, he said, what do you want to do? I said, come on over. We'll watch a little hoops. Have a, have a glass of wine. And uh, I go, hey, listen, I'll run down to the local the corner store. And uh, I don't want to say the name of it because then you know I'm within a corner of something. And then yeah. the next thing you know, I've got people putting drip lines of with honey on them and sending uh, like James Bond in the fifth James Bond where they put the thread down from the skylight and uh, <laughs> uh -oh. brown recluse spider comes down and bites you on the lip while you're sleeping. So that's why I'm not going to tell you the name. So bad. I go, I'll go down the corner and get some salads. Anything you want to specify. Uh, immediately I forget who I'm dealing with. You know, I'm not dealing with my librarian friend. It's Mike Weezer. Uh Let's just say I'll be okay with whatever salad you choose. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like such oh. an asshole. I'm talking to Michael Douglas saying, what sort of salads would you like, Mike? He said, uh, I can't believe, he gave me that laugh. I can't like, believe you, you hung asshole. out. What are you asking me about salads for? <laughs> I can't believe you hung out with Hank Pym. I'm so excited. I know that's the first thing I said to him. I said, I can't believe you ended up Hank Pym. <laughs> And he told me that uh, Paul's the coolest kid. Coolest guy. Always oh, seems like a cool guy, yeah. Yeah, they got on. I told Mike that I had gone up to, uh, I told you that story where I went up to that Almond Resort that's at the intersection of uh, Nevada, Arizona, California. Do you know the Almonds? Uh, There's an amazing series of hotels around this world. If anybody ever wants to go and treat yourself, uh, you, it's called the Almonds. And I've been, I try to, I'm not an almond junkie, but I try to go whenever I see they're somewhere exotic. So there's one that's located. It's the most, it's where I climbed those. Remember I told you I climbed a 465-foot butte with Marty Short? I do remember that, yes. We were up there, and um, oh, my God, that was so funny. We got the pool area one night, 
It was my wife's birthday, and we took some friends up. There was around 10 of us, Hollywood types. I use the term loosely for Marty. So <laughs> and I won't tell the other people because uh, maybe they don't want to be talked about on radio, but Marty will have fun with it. And uh, Marty comes up, and he's there. He, he's, I got some industry, uh, you know, they send the tapes out to vote on for the Emmys and stuff. Sure, the screen. And it yeah. was uh, being, being behind the candelabra, I told him. <laughs> or is that what it's called behind? Yeah. yeah, that's the one. I told Michael, so uh I think the place is staffed by um it's it's quite lovely the exchange that they they're near a tribal school and they have a lot of young graduates of the tribal school come over. Sometimes when you're in Amman, like I've stayed on the Amman in the Grand Canal in Venice and it's all built on like complete uh utter the, the creme de la creme of hoteliers, you know, these people just know it inside out. But then again, you're on the Grand Canal in Venice. You're dealing and this place is a little more Death Valley days. It's out there. It's in pretty much in the middle of nowhere. And you have these sweet younger people who come over from uh, the tribe. In it. So it's a much more relaxed thing. And then I also heard there's some Mormon kids there. So anyway, that's what they're drawing on. We go out and use the pool area one night. They shut it off and they have a big wall. They show movies on. And the kid comes out and he sets the projector up for you and he puts the tape in and you guys, Marty's in like some uh, little thong in the pool swimming around. <laughs> and we've got some food that's catered out there. There's just 10 of us were laying on pillows and the movie we select is Behind the Candelabras. And the kid's setting it up and he can't get the sound balance right and all that. And then it, it starts to do that. Fluff, 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 fluff. So the kid has to come out and do the tracking, get it right. And he gets it locked in and uh, Michael's getting plowed from behind on that. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. It's it's at that scene. Who's plowing? I can't remember. But uh, who's zooming who? But, you know, there's it could a very heavy well be sex. Matt Damon. I mean, huh? it's mo most of the movie, it's Matt Damon. Yeah. Well, but Mike, Matt Damon's picture catch. You know, I'm going to have to admit that I didn't watch the movie that closely. Oh, you I did? No, no, no. I, I saw well, anyway, it. they're, they're yeah. really having rambunctious yeah. sex together, and the kid gets the thing locked in. Like I said, he might be have a little Joseph Smith in him. I think, I'm thinking Mormon. And it comes up, and there's a gecko just plowing goodwill hunting. <laughs> and the kid's, like, astounded, like these Hollywood freaks. And I remember Marty saying, uh, you're welcome to stay and watch the movie. <laughs> Uh, and the what? kid said, I got to go. Uh, and there was like a roadrunner cloud heading out of the pool area. My, I looked at Marty LS so hard. I said, can you believe it comes up on that moment in the movie? He thinks we're freaks to begin with. <laughs> what are these people watching? I'm sure he didn't even put it together. It was Michael and Matt Damon. We probably thought we had, you know, some... Yes, home movies. Home movies. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God, Martin Short makes me laugh. Sorry, my ears itching. Um, What else is up in the world, Christian? You got any? Look at Howard Schultz. What a dick. I went into uh, <laughs> Starbucks the other day. I'm sorry, I'm watching him on TV here. And I told my barista I wanted to talk about race relations. And she told me that promotion was over now. And if I persisted, she'd have to call the gendarmes. So I... <laughs> Just ankled it over to Jiffy Lube, talked a little quantum physics string theory with Junebug, the night shift kid who's pulling days all day, you know, this week because Big Stan and his old lady are on vacation in Cozumel. What's, uh, give me some voicemails. So uh, we have a, a nice collection from the voicemails, which, mm. by the way, let me tell everyone, if they would like to leave a voicemail, please do so at 866-509-7268. 
That's our old phone number, 866-509-RANT. Uh, Lindsay has put together a montage. A pastiche? Yes. A, uh, oh, a montage. A, Sorry, folks. Cornucopia. Big difference. Big difference. And if you don't see the difference between patisse or, <laughs> or <Matisse>. pastiche and montage, <laughs> this well, might not be the you show don't fucking that. know what you're talking about. Because there's as big a difference between them as there is between Deepak and Satish Kalpo. Yeah. Vandersloot's posse. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, this is a collection of people, some of whom think you should sing on the podcast and some who think you should I'm not. I'm telling you now. <laughs> I'm telling you right away. I don't have a problem with you singing. It's the volume that you rise up to. All of a sudden, you start singing loudly. And uh, it can be kind of difficult to understand and also kind of annoying. But uh, keep singing. Singing is good for the soul. Thank Please you. don't stop singing. Think that guy's passive-aggressive. My 5 granddaughter <laughs> is ready for her nap. Her hand motions tell me she wants to hear you singing Black Sabbath. It's either that or will you please change my diaper? Instead of some war pigs, I wonder if you could do like some Led Zeppelin or, you know, expand your range a little more. And I wanted to let you know that I'm enjoying the program. It's great. Uh, but if you want to improve it, Dennis, you can stop singing. I guess I can say that you are to singing what Susan Boyle is to joke telling. Other than that, you're really cool. <laughs> I have one question. I was wondering when you started listening to the guy in the strip mall next to the judge in YTT that tells you that you're not supposed to sing. Don't let him ruin it for everyone else. You are the smartest, most best-looking guy. You have the greatest wit, and I just love you. Thank you, brother. Squeeze that nice one in at the end. That was a good one. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. What was that brother. strip ball? I used to love that joke, Christian. It was, uh, hot. I can't remember. I know, the... I'm trying to think of what you called it, it. It, it. You know what? I had to ditch it because some people thought it was uh, racist against Hawaiian. But I don't even know. Is Hawaiians a race? I mean, it's it's an ethnicity for sure. Oh, yeah. it is? Yeah. I mean, you know. Is it like Samoans? Yeah. Or would Samoans get pissed if you said they were Hawaiian ethnicity? Look, Hawaiian, Samoan, Cambodian, Japanese, Spanish, it's all the same. You say Samoan, I say Samoan. You say (laughs) Samoan, I say potato, potato, Samoan. Um, But the joke was that Trump had to clear everything with some fucking paralegal judge in a strip mall in Hawaii. And uh, we'd like to protect ourselves against uh against global Islamic terrorism. Uh, isn't there some guy here that we have to check in with because he can overrule that? Yeah, you're talking about Jimmy Kwanafnaka. He's <laughs> you go down here past Duco's spam hunt and you make a left, you'll be in the foothills of Monica <laughs> They'll be throwing a chick into a volcano to cure a pox on our breadfruit. <laughs> You're not quite there yet. All right. Maybe it is racist now that I hear it. No. But I didn't mean it that way, folks. I just I was trying to gather all my Hawaiian stuff. I don't know. I don't know anymore. It's hard to tell. Just joking. And that's the problem. <laughs> hey, um, that's getting a little tired. I'm constantly <laughs> laughing. Just laughing. Tell her she's got to get a little more discerning here's, about here's this. Here's the problem. Man, she's... this is like, you know, it's like second date. Just making her laugh so hard. You're thinking this is too easy. Well, I, I already explained to her that she's supposed to laugh at you and not at me. Oh, wait a second. She's been laughing at you all along? No, 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 no. She's she gone. She's missed. She's vapor. She's toast. Oh. 
uh, you know what? Speaking of laughing, uh, last week after the show, I made her watch the single funniest video that exists on YouTube. Oh, She's never seen it. Shatner? Yes. Oh See, I, I, said, I told her, I'm like, he's going to know when I introduce it. She had no idea. She couldn't believe. She's like, wait, this is real? And she's like, oh, why is he being so funny? I'm like, no, no, he's serious. This isn't yeah. a joke. Yeah, it's it's like something you can't believe was captured, folks, the moment. <laughs> and you've seen I don't have to tell people. But if you want the Rosetta Stone of contemporary earth comedy, it is Shatner singing Rocket Man in front of Bernie Taupin at a science <laughs> fiction festival, loosening his tie, sweating like a pig, <laughs> between knowing that uh, he's gone down cheese lane and he has to... He has to finish the hike, but everybody in the crowd is just aghast. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he takes a long draw on a Pall Mall and says, Mars, sure ain't no place to raise a kid. It is the best thing That's ever. like in the early 70s. So when his, when his agent calls and says, Hey, they're thinking of doing a Star Trek movie. Like, how far do you think the guy got into movie before he's like, yes, I'll do it? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's like I used to say, David Spade got SNL on in between the H and the I and hi, I'm David Spade. And <laughs> we've got, I'm David Spy. <laughs> Dana and I went out with William Shatner one time for steak dinner in New York. I've never laughed so hard in my life. Can you imagine Carby just beating up on Kirk? <laughs> yes. and you know Shatner's so alternatingly like laughing at himself I have to give him credit and not laughing at himself and just that beautiful frisson as we walk through Manhattan and like like I said he's he's I can see that he wants to be and he is a you know he does great work with charity and some of his acting is amazing you go back and you watch uh, there's a a film by the cat who saved money all the time what was his name Roger uh, Corman Oh, yeah. He actually did a film about racism, uh, The Stranger, it might be called, or something, where Shatner is the male lead in it, and he's great. And then you see him in that beautiful Twilight Zone, not the one where he's looking out the window. That's great. But there's one where he deals with obsession in a diner where he keeps hitting the Harlequin Joker's head, asking him questions. Have you ever seen that? Yes, I've seen uh, both of them. Oh, that one upset me, not the one with the thing on the wing, because, yeah, I, I don't even need a thing on the wing to be shit my pants <laughs> when I'm flying. I can, I can look out at the wing, and it could be empty in that sort of weather, and I'm freaked out. But the other one, dealing with he can't bring himself to leave the diner, is mind-blowing to me. So Shatner's got chops, but also he's, he's teasable. And at least at that point, when they come into Saturday Night Live, I think they're, no, they're in for some sort of Lou Gossett Jr., break them down, build them up, Paris Island treatment. So he was rolling with it, and Carvey, what are you kidding me? <laughs> Carvey did every every character on Star Trek's third cousin. He knew how to do the voice. <laughs> Carvey had a locked on Gene Roddenberry by the uh, time we got wow. to dinner. <laughs> and as we walked through town, I could see the uneasy thing for Kirk is that everybody knows him as the spaceship commander, and he wants to do Ibsen in the park, so... You're walking through New York and people, you know, insiders are screaming, Jimmy Tiberius! <laughs> <laughs> and he's throwing that half-ass live long and prosper, but he doesn't even bring it up and face his palm towards them. Yeah. You know, standard, or what is, is it back of the hand? Or He doesn't do anything like that. He's throwing it up at hip level. Yeah. And the ring finger and the baby finger aren't even vaguely touching. Yeah. No, the way he does it, it's live long or prosper. He yeah. And I said to him, is that all you're giving up? 
Uh, Bill. He said, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I'm not Kirk. <laughs> and as he said it to me, I said, look at yes, you are. You sound like Kirk when you're telling me you're not Kirk. <laughs> you know, it got all impassioned. Yeah. I'm not Kirk. <laughs> I said, you are, let's have a meal and go back and play some four-level chess and drink some blue drinks, you crazy motherfucker. Um, what else is up? What else is up is that uh, we have some more voicemails, if you'd like. Yeah, let's hang on a little bit today, because I think the people are sensing that I'm only good for an hour. Yeah. What do you think we could do if we were really into this? An hour? Look at this man on Fox News. He has oh, the biggest. Uh, do you I've see got, his ears? I've got CNBC on, so I'm oh. going to have to change. I think it's Oh, you missed it, man. This guy had the biggest ears in the world. It was like Prince Charles was if he was a boxer. Christ well, I see uh, Kristen Nielsen, and she kind of looks like Prince Charles, so I think it works. <laughs> what was that joke you used to do about Prince Charles? Uh, he really loves a. Uh, you know, you can tell that, you know, Princess Diana was not the girl because he loves this. Uh, what's her name? Oh, Camilla Parker. Camilla Parker Bowles. Yeah, I said I saw them today, and God knows there's love in his eyes. He was at a Balmora Castle with her. They were grouse hunting together, and uh, he was showing her how to carry the birds without leaving any teeth marks in them. <laughs> <laughs> I love that joke. And she's Samoan. Yeah, All right, of course. What else is up? Uh, well, I guess we shouldn't just keep talking about the Twilight Zone, but I'm going to anyway. The episode you're talking about in the diner is called Nick of Time, but I just watched uh, The Nightmare at 20,000 Feet last night, literally last night. Because, the old one. Yeah, because uh, the new Twilight Zone that they have on CBS All Access that Jordan Peele is the uh, Rod Serling, they did a, an updated version called Murder at 30,000 Feet. And I'm like, well, I got to watch, watch the one with Kirk. And uh, Kirk's so great in it. You know, it's uh, it's nice to see. That's my that's yeah, but I, the creature it looks like. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> the creature looks like uh, the abominable in the puppet version of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Yeah, the, the one that Yukon Cornelius oh. fights to the death. Supposedly, <laughs> it's not. It's uh, it, listen. It's a it's a great thing, but they don't quite have the monster together. Back no, then, the the it. monster's not great, but uh, he definitely bounces like the Bumble. So I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Bumble's bounce. I always thought Yukon Cornelius was based on Rush Limbaugh. Whenever I hear him, <laughs> liberals bounce. <laughs> and then they they did it again with Lithgow, right? Yes, that was in the Twilight Zone movie in 1983. And uh, the best part of that movie is the opening thing, right? Where the, Danny's hitchhiking? Oh, yeah. Or somebody's, is it Danny? I think, I think it's Danny, yeah. It's, Danny goes down into the glove box and comes up, and he's a crazy monster. Um, <laughs> what else? Give me some more voicemails and some sure. more. And how, how long are we in here? Uh, are we we are hour? in about uh, an hour eight. So, Beautiful. yeah. Let's push this motherfucker. All right, we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> a couple more phone calls. Sure. Go. Uh, we've got. Uh, this is the longest I've gone since I was 40 without peeing. An hour and eight minutes. This is pretty great. Uh, Julie from South Carolina has a voicemail for you. Dennis, love your pod. Uh, the other day you were talking about words that make you uncomfortable. Wait a second, I'm going to have to start like over. That's so funny. Because that's how I think of it when I do it. Got to play that again. Dennis, love your pod. Uh, the other day you were talking about words that make you uncomfortable. Yeah. Words like panties, yeah. titty bar. Yeah. I would like for you to add the words moisture and engorged to the list. <laughs> What do you think of that? <laughs> Done. 
just that I've opened this dialogue up. Uh, uh, friends I have yet to know. <laughs> That's the uh, great Susan Hayward. In, uh, oh, you know who I'm going to meet on this week I'm the, is the Turner Classic Film Festival. And I, Christian, you want to come over any of the days? Uh, I'd love to, depending on no, kids. No, you can't. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got kids, but uh, I've also got cages and chains, so don't worry about it. <laughs> well, on, uh, <laughs> so, you know my nanny, Christian Nielsen. <laughs> um, I'm interviewing Barbara Rush on Saturday morning. We're showing the film When Planets Collide, When Worlds Collide. And she was the young uh, beauty in that with John Durr. And now I'm going to be with her, and she's 93 now. Wow. Can you believe it? Look her up, uh, Barbara yeah. Rush, when you I, get a chance. I see her, her now. She, when she was married, she, when she was young, she was married to uh, a Hunter uh, in The Searchers. His name's uh, not Ross Hunter. What am I thinking? Jeffrey Hunter. And they were the handsomest couple. You mean Captain? You mean Captain Pike from Star Trek? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but he wasn't in that shape. No. No. And no. when he was young, you remember how handsome he was in sure. the Searchers. It wasn't Pike. You think Pike could have closed on her? <laughs> he would have blinked huh? twice from no, the chair. I think I'll pass Captain <laughs> Pike. I'm going to go over here and slow dance with Stephen Hawking. <laughs> but you're looking good. Hey, the metal robot piece on your chest is blinking. <laughs> Uh, we have another voice. Have some sort of prosthetic or something. Yeah, because there's a radiation uh, oh, explosion. That's what he told people. He yeah. just had a bad rap. <laughs> it's like uh, Schmeigel when he had insult, triumph, the insult dog on his arm, and he went up to that kid in the Star Wars line. Oh, so good. Who was dressed up like Darth Vader, and he had all these blinking <laughs> on his chest, and Schmeigel says, uh, "Hey, which one of these do I hit to get your mum come and pick you up?" <laughs> Savage. Which one of these do I hit to get your mom to come and pick you up? <laughs> guy's like 40. Um, <laughs> all right, what else is up? We've got uh, Rob from Oregon. Something that's bugging me. Um, Dennis, you are the, probably the best storyteller, and some of the best stories that you've told mm. are the ones that you've never finished. I was really getting into the uh, Peter Billingsley, Vince Vaughn story when you cut off to go somewhere else, and four stories later, you had to end the show. If you could finish that, that'd be awesome. And there's a bunch of other ones that you could finish, too. And Billingsley and uh, Vince got married. <laughs> Shockingly. Yeah. Take that, Rob. <laughs> Rob, listen, know this. <laughs> if I ever don't finish a story, it's because it has no end. <laughs> it's like a Monty Python now, sketch. I they saw them right ended. up and through the moment where I go, and then... They looked at me and said, we got to go. <laughs> oh, wait, Dennis is at this table. Let's go sit over there. Yeah. Uh, we didn't really enjoy the show. We've got to go now. Carrot tops at the Opry. That was the end of that story. What else is up? Uh, well, we have a voicemail number five from... You never know what people are focusing on out there. What's that? Well, when you hear that, I thought, yeah, maybe I don't finish stories, but... Oh, there's no but. I don't finish stories. I don't know. Well, it's my job to uh, make sure yeah, you finish you the story. Do shit. Well, you'd think that <laughs> I Christ, listen. You don't do shit. I get paid. For, I get paid for one hour. Huh? This is overtime now. I've got a minder <laughs> who, in essence, wants to stick the long knife into me. 
over uh, there with uh, like <laughs> Boris and Natasha, just howling away. It's like she laughs, and it's it's like she's been roofing all back there. What do you mean, like roofing? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a dog sound or like drug Oof. reference? <laughs> it's, okay, yes, it. it's a it's a drug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll give you I'll give you a drink in a little bit. <laughs> Uh, voicemail number five is our friend, uh, old friend, a humble painter. He called in and I uh, wanted to, his, his real name's Mike. He wanted to uh, leave this I message. I wanted to make a guest recommendation. I have a friend of mine, Dozer Dave Turin from Gold Rush, the show on Discovery Channel. He's coming out with a new show called Gold Rush Dave Turin's Lost Mines. Anyway, it airs April 5th at 10 p.m. I've had, a privilege, I've had the privilege of meeting this guy. He's great. He's fantastic, level-headed, very generous with his time and success. Anyway, I thought maybe I'd make a guest recommendation that you have him on the show because he's a really interesting guy doing really interesting things, traveling the States, looking at lost mines and stuff. But what is he doing that's interesting? <laughs> I know he travels the world and looks at lost mines. He's got a TV show. Where I is mean, the interesting? That's the interesting part. His friend has a TV well, you show. You cut deep, don't you? <laughs> he really gets to it. You cut deep, don't you? I mean, a lot of people have TV Christian shows. Christian and I have a new show on YouTube where we go out to garage sales on the weekend and sell bauxite jewelry. American pickers? <laughs> I got four callbacks on pickers. Yeah. It still might work out for me. All right, I might not be. I might not be back on Thursday. All right, I got a rock. If you yeah. want to book that, I don't know, Christian. What do you? There's something I want to ask the people. Do you want guests or no guests? Oh, Felicity Huffman. It's just coming across. Yeah, She's pleading guilty. So <laughs> does she go to jail? I think by pleading guilty, it, it is going to ensure she doesn't go to jail. Oh. I think that that's that's the arrangement that's been made. You got to say you did bad things. You know, pay a fine, do some community service, get some, you know, disadvantaged, lower-income kids into college. Aren't her old man always rapping about what a crook Trump is? Yeah, I, I believe you're right. Yeah. Um, well, it seems to me that the, the, their behavior here is certainly, yeah, I get it, imprisonable, no. But Christ, can you have some, can you have a moment in the future? They won't do it. Don't, next week they'll be out, what a creep he is and how they're righteous. Yeah. Can you just take a second and go, how in the fuck did I get to the point where I'm pasting my kid's head on Gordy Howe's body <laughs> to get her into USC? You know what the <laughs> fuck? All right. What are you guys doing today? Uh, I've uh, got to go home. and uh, You don't do this for some other guy, do you? Like right after this? Oh, he's jealous. <laughs> Yeah. Well, now you understand. What's with this Lori Laughlin woman now? She's taking the other tax. She's walking in like this is the best thing she ever did, the biggest smiles. Yeah. I, I hope mean, they get her. Yeah. I, I've if seen the one woman's going to say guilty, but the other one's now acting like this is so nothing. Yeah. Uh, but her uh, husband, who I think is the broker on Real Housewives of, uh, isn't he married to every woman out there? <laughs> <laughs> Marcello has a half listing on a place out. Panga. We're going to go out and stage it. No, no, move the level lamp up. Shit out of here. <laughs> Idiots. Everybody's a star except me. Hey, Bye. hey, hey, you're a star in my book, buddy. Hey, hey, Paula. <laughs> this is the baptism scene in The Godfather. <laughs> I'm writing all wrong. <laughs> go through eyewear like Mo Green. All right, I got to rock, buddy. Thanks for listening to the Dennis Miller Option, exclusively on Westwood One. 
Tune in to new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday on the Westwood One app, westwoodone.com, and on Apple Podcasts. And remember to rate, review, and share. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here.